Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder. Hi, everybody. How's your life changed because of COVID? You wonder, will it ever get back to normal? From mandatory mask wearing to social distancing to canceled events, we've all had to make a lot of major adjustments. Joining me now, Dr. Joel Harder, who's been looking into what things have been interrupted temporarily and what things have been disrupted changed permanently. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, now you did some research. It was a statewide research a project done in Oklahoma, and, and it was wide-ranging from businesses to nonprofits to faith groups uh, about how COVID had changed things for them. What struck you the most about the responses you got? Well, probably the most significant uh, finding is that overall, uh, the experience of the sudden adaptation to uh, the use of digital communications in order to uh, continue on with your work, in order to continue maintaining uh, connection with friends and family and loved ones, was really overall positive. Uh, certainly, there was a lot of um, unknowns. There was a lot of uncertainty for a lot of a lot of people. This was a, a brand new uh, use of technology, but but overall people had a very positive experience using the technology. And when we when we launched this study, uh, we really wanted to do uh, a statewide uh, case study to get a snapshot of, you know, based upon multiple industries, sectors, um, types of work, you know, what was the overall experience using technology and then we'd be able to use uh, the data from this study to really help leaders of organizations, both in private business, state agencies, educational institutions, as well as nonprofits and faith communities, uh, to think in the short and long term about how they can be planning to really use this powerful technology uh, moving forward. And I, I know some found uh, they're really going to uh, go full bore into this. This is not just, oh, well, until we get a vaccine and things go back to normal, air quotes. Uh, but but this is something that's really, uh, as you say, things have changed permanently. Right. And it, when you really think about um, moving forward uh, into what we've all heard this new phrase, the new normal, uh, what does that really 
What does that really mean? I was reading a Forbes article a few months ago, and I, I read that you know we've all experienced a global workforce disruption. And I was thinking, you know, that sounds really great in a Forbes article, but but what really, what really has been disrupted versus what's been interrupted? And we wanted to help leaders of organizations be able to think with a little more sophistication. Okay, what are those practices, uh, those normal operating practices that have been interrupted, meaning they've been halted due to an emergency uh, situation, uh, work from home conditions, and they will come back in the future. We may not know when, but they will come back versus what are those normal operating practices that will never return or they will be so greatly changed that they don't even look the same uh, when they do come back. Uh, you know, one of the, just real quickly, some of our, our big findings that we, we saw is that um, you know, across the board, uh, from those who who responded to our study, you know, leaders and organizations, companies, private businesses, there was a greater level of innovation rather than invention. Of course, we know that there were examples all over the country of of companies that created whole new practices, whole new products, different business models. But when it comes to the technology, nothing new was created. Uh, nothing new was invented. Perhaps Zoom got a lot better. Perhaps Microsoft Teams got a lot better. Um, but there was no new invention of technology. Rather, um, across multiple sectors, people were adapting to technologies that have always been there. One of the great phrases that's come out of this in tech circles is that you know digital transformation advanced 50 years in five months. And so there really was a sudden discovery across all levels of an organization from uh, CEOs and executive management down to administrative and entry level workers uh, that these tools do work and do help their organizations to continue to, to, to work and to thrive and to get the job done to accomplish their mission. We did find that uh, private business was a little better prepared uh, than state government or or nonprofits, uh, largely because private businesses maybe already used a lot of these tools already in their models and, and different organizations were having to adapt at a greater level. Um, but we most importantly found that social distancing doesn't mean disconnecting. We saw strong levels of, of responses around this idea of connectedness. Uh, respondents said that I felt supported by my colleagues at a high level. Uh, I was able to give and receive feedback uh, and, and it was valued as much as in person, or I was able to, uh, I was able to give feedback and accomplish goals and objectives uh, as much as in person. So there was a high level of a, a sense of connectedness. One respondent, we asked a couple open-ended questions, actually said we were, we were really surprised to discover how much and how efficient we became. We were really able to collaborate at a high level. And actually, as we started returning to the office, our level of collaboration started to go down. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you're focused on, uh, you know, these virtual team meetings or using video conferencing, meetings become shorter, agendas become sharper, uh, the, the, the meetings become more on focus and on target and more efficient. And sometimes when you're just sitting around the table in an office, you, you know, you can kind of meander a little bit and, and 
the meetings can kind of can kind of wander into different places, not be as productive or effective or efficient. And so there really was a great ability to both be efficient in your work as well as foster high levels of connectedness. Well, not that many months ago, most people had never even heard of Zoom, and, and now they're doing multiple Zoom meetings a day, some of them. Um, what are some of the things you found, though, that will not come back? I mean, we talked about uh, things that were interrupted, like galas and even sporting events, those have started coming back, all, all that, those kinds of things. But, but what kinds of things are not seeming to come back? Well, one of the things that's probably not, not going to come back is the resistance to using digital communications. Mm. You know, we found really high levels that, that leadership in organizations and private businesses discovered how valuable and effective these tools really were. So some of the resistance that was there before this emergency situation forced us to use these tools uh, will we'll probably never come back. Um, one of the really, um, probably one of the most interesting uh, things to consider about what's truly gonna be changed is just the overall expectation uh, of of the workforce uh, to use remote work and to use digital tools. Uh, probably one of the most significant findings we found, we asked, you know, post-COVID, once the, you know, emergency work-from-home conditions really do dissipate and we're no longer in that kind of emergency situation, what is your work-from-home preference or your remote work preference. And we gave a lot of options. We gave people the opportunity to say, you know, I, I want to work full time. I don't ever want to work remotely again. Uh, we even gave them the opportunity to say, I'd like 15 flex days that I could just use whenever I need to. And still, uh, the vast majority of our, the, the largest majority of our responses and almost half of all respondents said, I want to work remotely two to three days per week. Wow. And this really signifies that this expectation and desire for a remote work way of life truly is going to be uh, a permanent change in how uh, companies and businesses establish their their HR policies, and that's going to have wide-ranging implications. A lot of other uh, thinkers and, and researchers have talked about what's this going to do to the the real estate market. And you think about how you know residential property is developed, and uh, you know it's no longer going to be a uh, realtor says, well this this room could be used as an office. No homes will be actually developed or retrofitted with the idea of a home office in mind, where there will be uh, maybe you know soundproofing. Uh, soundproofing materials used to create a more isolated space with higher levels of infrastructure so that there's greater uh, internet connectivity for the home office. Uh, the use of, of commercial real estate and, and how that's going to change the need to have uh, vast amounts of square footage to office uh, employees, that's going to be that's going to change a lot. You also look at the travel industry, and this is probably a, a, a real open question. You know, what will this experience do to uh, business travel? You, you discovered you can have a really productive meeting and you don't need to necessarily yeah, you don't need to lose a day or two and, and fly across the country to do it. So, uh, you know, there's there's going to be a give and take and there's going to be uh, there's going to be a, a return to some of these things based upon industry and vocation and, and work job type. Um, but there is a there's a permanent change that's coming 
uh, out of this experience. Well, there's another aspect. You were talking about people's feeling connected, uh, even with the the digital remote working and that sort of thing. And and that was the uh, the ideas of synchronous and asynchronous communications. Let's let's talk about that a little bit because you know as a communicator, uh, y- you want to have the best possible you know reflection with that other person. Um, so so are there some tips we need to know maybe about about communicating and in these kinds of digital ways? Absolutely. And, you know, and there are some really great techniques and approaches to use this well. And, and let me just give a little background before we jump into one of those. Even though there was a high level of connectedness um, that we did find and, and the overall experience was positive, we, we did find that people in our study connected better to work and and uh, and close family through digital communications, saying that either those connections were were you know significantly unhindered or not hindered at all, but then when you looked at you know family networks, uh, extended family networks, friends, social organizations, faith community, uh, higher level, saying that those connections were completely blocked, and it could be that that. People were just prioritizing work and, you know, there was fatigue and after having Zoom calls and and using all of this technology all day long, all week long for work, they're just burned out. They don't want to do another Zoom call. It could be that it's just simply harder to connect to those uh, uh, those other kinds of networks and friends and, and, and religious community than it is to work. But what we found was when real time interaction or synchronous communication increased there was an increase in a sense of connectedness. So as Mm. real-time interaction increased, people at a greater level said, I feel supported by my colleagues, Uh, or even those those other spheres of of connections where there was a greater level of of a block uh, in that connection. When there was an increase in real-time interaction, there was a greater um, uh, ability to connect with those, uh, those people in your life. And so when I talk about real-time interaction, synchronous versus asynchronous, I'm not talking about one being good and the other being bad. It, it, there's great benefits to, to both. You know, asynchronous communication, which is simply the communication can happen over a period of time. You're thinking of emails, uh, text messages, you know, a collaborative, you know, group chat threads. It's very powerful and very helpful Imagine a boss, you know, texts you a question and, and wants to know, uh, wants to know the projected numbers on a project coming up. You don't have to respond in the moment. If you don't have that that data right in front of you, you can take the time you need and you can do the research you need. And when you respond, you can provide more accurate information. And in that way, that asynchronous communication becomes more accurate, more efficient. And so it's a very positive thing. But when you're talking about synchronous communication or real-time interaction, what you're gaining is a more candid exchange uh, between the two people that are communicating. The conversation becomes uh, maybe a little less efficient. Uh, Maybe you have to say, well, I have to get back to you on that. But you're able to have a more personal conversation. You're able to pick up on the verbal and nonverbal cues. And that more candid form of communication fosters a greater level of connectedness. And I, I love to give an example. You mentioned Zoom. And and so anybody who's used Zoom is familiar with the grid view. And mm-hmm. this is a, a simple exercise that can help you uh, diagnose whether or not you're doing real-time interaction 
or not. So if you're in a Zoom call and you're in presenter mode, switch to grid view. And if you switch to grid view, what you may discover is, wow, there were 10 people on this call that I didn't even know were there. Well, okay, <laughs> if, if, if you discover that, then you already know I'm not connecting to everybody on this call. I'm not actually having, you know, that kind of real time uh, communication or real time interaction because, you know, I didn't even know who all was there. I'm certainly not picking up on their verbal and nonverbal cues. But also, if you're in grid view, if the thumbnail pictures on your screen are so small that you can't really pick up on people's facial expressions or how they're responding, or if you've got to swipe screens to see everybody, even though that meeting is technically live and even though, uh, you know, people can respond and, and engage, I would argue you're not really having that real-time interaction that fosters and promotes greater sense of connectedness. And so uh, the idea is, is you can you can grow um, deeper, more effective connections both in your in your you know, work teams as well as in your your family and in your friend circles and social organizations and church and faith community by growing smaller. So if you have, if you switch to the grid view and you have, you know, four screens, four little squares up there, but you can quickly and easily pick up on, on the verbal and nonverbal uh, cues. You can see how everybody on that call is responding to the conversation. Now you're having real time interaction and mm -hmm. that is going to create a greater sense of connectedness. And so when you think about this as a as a leader in an organization or maybe you're managing a dispersed workforce or remote teams, you, you know, you don't want to overdo your video conferences. You don't want to burn people out with video conference, video meeting, video meeting and create that sense of fatigue. And so begin to create rhythms for your team so that you're able to have that efficient and take advantage of, of all the benefits of the asynchronous communication and get get the job done, let everybody work, but also have a rhythm of regular, uh, regular video conferences, team check-ins, maybe, you know, just do high level, you know, connect on the work, connect on the objectives, but just check in with each other and, and allow for that more candid conversation. It doesn't have to be long, just but it just creates a great opportunity that the data is showing will support those the the sense of connection that really builds that culture of a team working together to accomplish your mission, your objectives, uh, to get the to get the to get the project over the finish line, and and that just is going to help promote greater levels of productivity, effectiveness. It's going to let you recruit and retain higher levels of talent, and really build your organization going forward. Well, you've really looked a lot into the ways um, technology and digital communication um, are, are good and how they help us. You know, certainly have helped a lot of people through these, these almost surreal times that we're going through now. Uh, but there's a, a rather disturbing documentary out called The Social Dilemma. It's a frightening yeah. look at the way technology through social platforms um, is impacting human connections. Uh, and it seems, <clears throat> sorry, we're, we're more dependent on it now even than before. Uh, but it was horrifying. It was, it was a pretty, pretty scary look. Just yes. what are your what are your thoughts of, about the the pitfalls of things like social media and and yeah information mining and and just how open uh, our lives are to we don't know who well well certainly we need to to educate ourselves and be aware 
of the realities of living in the information age and, and you know the information and data uh, that that you are uh, that you are making available uh, to to others, uh, to other organizations, other businesses. We we need to be aware of that uh, and be more mindful. Um, one of the one of the phrases that I've kind of heard in recent in recent months that that I think there's a lot of truth to about where the technology is going is you know you kind of think of you know Internet 1.0, which is just the internet coming into existence and and maybe a, a, an organization or a, or a business just getting a presence up on the web, and then you kind of move to Internet 2.0, and this is where the social media platforms really you know exploded onto the scene, and the idea behind Internet 2.0 this is the ability to build a vast network to create connections that are that are global and far-reaching and, and you're able to connect with people all over the world and all over the country and Robin Dunbar who's a who's a, 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 a psychologist sociologist uh, has written a, a great book uh, about um, just about this concept of of social media and, and kind of the promise of social media and, and you know you can you can have so many friends and you know has has social media really delivered on that promise and and you could argue well really probably not and when you think about social media even though you do connect with others and maybe you can have this asynchronous back and forth and and exchange and, and I I love social media in in many regards I, you know, Twitter is a platform I I really enjoy because you're connecting in many ways around ideas rather than a, a affinity uh, groups or 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 geographic location or who I went to high school with and I remember the first time you know I I tweeted at a thought leader that I really admired and they responded to me and I just <laughs> I, I geeked out because I said I hear you're somebody <laughs> I I connected with that I probably never would have in, yeah. in 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 life and so but that's internet 2.0 and and you're creating this vast network internet 3.0 is really where this technology is going and and covid may have really accelerated that where it's not so much using the technology to have these vast networks, but it's the technology developing in order to facilitate that uh, more, more personal connection. It, the technology is creating the opportunity to facilitate real human interaction and human uh, relationship. So the idea of being able to have a, a video conference with just one other person, maybe it's a mentor or uh, maybe it's it's a, a supervisor who's really helping you grow professionally. And now the technology, it's not about this vast network of connections, but it's the ability to really to really have that human interaction and, and grow uh, grow both, you know, your leadership as you're being mentored, or you to grow the the leadership and skills of somebody you're mentoring or or developing, and so that's that's where this technology is kind of going to be leading us. And post COVID, as we lean into the technology, I really think we're going to see an expansion of that. But but another, so I think just remembering social media, you know, has its place. A lot of businesses, you know, they're using social media primarily to advertise, to market, to 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 expose uh, the general public to their products and services. Uh, not necessarily for the purposes of of keeping your team working together. Um, you also have to think about cybersecurity, and, and there's some really good thinking that's happening right now along the lines of of securing data, you know, even if you have a company or a business that moves to a predominantly dispersed workforce and, and you, your, your team is all over the country, all over the world, uh, there's going to still be 
thought that goes into how do we secure proprietary or sensitive data and information. And so having physical locations where, where data can be housed and stored and secured uh, is going to be an important part of that conversation as well. Hmm. Well, how can folks uh, learn more about, you know, your work? And I know you've got a book out and we've visited in the past about that, about leadership and kind of kind of topical right now when we consider an election is on us. Uh, uh, how can Absolutely. folks learn more? Well, specifically, you can get the whole study that we released. And I worked with a, a tech company based here in Edmond, Oklahoma, Future Point of View, to perform this statewide case study. And the full study is available at digitally-connected.com. And you can find all of our findings. You can look at some of the things that we talk about as far as uh, what's been interrupted versus what's been disrupted. Because, again, our goal is to really uh, – we wanted to generate a solid data set that would then be able to help leaders think about planning for the short and long term. And so you can go to digitally-connected.com and you can get the whole study there. And then I also have a companion resource called Using Tech to Connect, uh, Developing Leaders in a Digital Age. And this is a resource that uh, that I have used and done trainings with leadership in, in um, the Department of Defense uh, through a military base here in, in Oklahoma. I'm working with, with some various organizations and businesses to look at the findings from our statewide case study and then lean into some key techniques to use the technology, not just to survive, but to thrive. So uh, digitally-connected.com. Uh, my website is joelwharder.com, and you can find a lot of the work uh, that I'm doing, and you can connect with me there. Thank you, Dr. Joel Harder, with us today. Um, appreciate it. Appreciate the work you're doing because, you know, we're all kind of making it through these strange days uh, together one day at a time. But it's it's kind of neat to to hear about the studies of where things uh, seem to be going. Absolutely. And and I I know 2020 has been a very disorienting <laughs> year and, and certainly un, unexpected and uncomfortable in many ways. Um, but I, I really do believe uh, when we uh, are 10, 15, 20 years down the road, we may be shocked to discover that the way in which we're, we're working, living, um, has been so dramatically changed and transformed in positive ways. And who knows that we won't look back on 2020 and say that's the year that made it possible. <laughs> Always the optimist, <laughs> Joel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Central Texas Living is part of the Rogue Media Network family. Be sure to check out their other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Living, the podcast. guide through Waco. I'm here to tell you all the goings-on in and around Waco. I'm going to give you the 411 on what's happening, what's going on, and what events you should go to. This is your host, Debbie, signing off. Now that you know, go. Just go, Waco.
Are you building a new business while managing a family? Are you tired of trying to balance home and work and everything seems to be coming up short? Then there's a podcast made just for you. Baking Your Business from Scratch is where we create the perfect recipe for building a successful business while managing your home and family with love. Come join us and see for yourself. This has been a Globe Media Network Podcast.